Hello and welcome everybody to the world's greatest podcast, That's The Way, The Cookie Crumbles. Woo. Hello, welcome everybody to another episode of That's The Way, The Cookie... Oh no, wait, sorry, you just said that. Buenos tardes. <laughs> hey, welcome to yes. the Cookie Podcast. We've had a week off, we know. We've had a week off, we put our hands up. Jim, Stan, what have you been up to in your week off? Um, nothing, just brushing up on my uh, England chance just for next summer. I, uh, I see you've yeah. I see you've already got your tattoo in preparation for the big win yeah. in 2021. Well, I've got a few designs. Uh, just need to get down to uh, two dogs in Earlstown and uh, we'll get it done. Oh, good lads. The good lads down there. Support local businesses. Jim, what have you been up to in your, your week in lockdown? Um, just resting, staying match fit. Just for this podcast, really. Just keep my mind sane. That's exactly <laughs> what you want to hear. When you're not Mental called training. up to internationally, that's what you want to I've hear, just, I've just had my... Um, my Nintendo DS out playing the brain training, just so I'm sharp yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. Good lad. Sticking with the subject <laughs> of sharp, Liverpool extended their unbeaten home record to 64 games this weekend, missing big players such as Trent Alexander-Arnold, Virgil van Dijk, Jordan Henderson, Mo Salah and Joe Gomez. Stan, did you think the Red Men would find it this easy against the Foxes? Uh, I didn't, no, no. Um, I didn't think they'd win, to be honest. As you know, I did put a bet on that. I was waiting for that for the last hurdle of Liverpool not to win. Uh, and they ended up winning in the end. Um, but no, fair play to them. I mean, I suppose it it kind of encapsulates how they are as a team and the team spirit that they have and how well drilled they are as a unit to be able to be missing so many players and still put in such a high level of performance. Sticking with Sharp, Jim, did you think the Red Men would skip a beat like this? Because I'm telling you now, I didn't. No, um, as Stan was saying before, yeah, it's just the team spirit. I think when you compare Liverpool to the rest of the sides, um, rest of the top sides in the Premier League, they're just more purred on this, the same team as last year. I know they've got a lot of injuries, but <clears> I mean, a good squad can deal with injuries and it's more than a good squad. I think for me, watching, looking at the result anyway, it was a bit more worrying because um, obviously Leicester spanked us and then they get spanked by uh, like half a Liverpool team. So it, it can't, I, you can't really say like off one result, you don't judge where the teams are at, but the gap between Liverpool and the rest of the league looks like it's probably still there, even though the table doesn't suggest it just yet. Yeah, Stan, the back four ended up being Robertson, Matip, Milner played right back. I can't remember who the other centre back was. Was it? oh, it's Fabinho. Fabinho. Of course, Fabinho. it was. Yeah, it was Fabinho. Yeah. He he's got some record playing centre back for them. I think every time I see it when he's in there, I think, oh, this will be the one where they they ship a lot of goals. This will be the Aston Villa result, but seems to not be coming at the moment. No, um, and when you play somebody at that like um, you know like Fabinho at centre back you tend to think that they might miss something in midfield but they very rarely actually end up looking like they are missing uh, anything at all and you know Henderson is probably one of the most important players for them and not only did they not have Fabinho in midfield obviously Henderson was missing as well I thought Curtis Jones played really well uh, and like I say just really well drilled as a unit they know exactly what they're doing and it just reminds me of the other you know great Premier League teams and in their pomp you could, they couldn't be missing a few players but you'd still you know expect them to win not that I did expect them to win but they would still end up winning despite maybe United missing a Rooney City missing Aguero and Silva Chelsea missing Lampard and you know John Terry they'd still end up grinding a win because they're all playing at such a high level that they can come in and out 
and you know yeah. they'll make a difference like they did yesterday. Yeah, it's it's them players that come up like Curtis Jones. He, he looked like he was nineteen going on thirty, but I mean he can come in and because the the, the first teamers are playing so well and they've got that home record to protect. They're, they're fighting for something and they're coming in like like buzzing to get a chance. So when you're a good team, your, your fringe players tend to play better, and that's um, a bit of a weird situation for teams because. When your team's not playing well, you need someone to come in and step up. But the, the, the mentality and the winning attitude of the Brammer team isn't there, but for Liverpool it is. So they just carried on going for like for three years now. I mean, I don't really know what else to say about them. They're just brilliant. No, it's good. Obviously, like you said, they went, especially when they need a kick up the arse, no one better than an academy player to give every first teamer a kick up their arse because obviously they bleed for the club coming through the academy. But a player or should I say a gammon that's close to your plate, or should I say heart, Jim, played really well at right back in this game. Jimmy oh, the Milner. Gammon, oh, the gammon reference was Milner. I get it now. Ah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the meme, have you seen the um, the flexi tape meme where the guy's putting the, the water resistance tape on the big container of water and it's yeah. Liverpool's injury crisis and it's James Milner. His last been since he's been there and he did the same at City. I think he can play every position. He's like, he's a dream in his father as a squad player, really, because getting injury at fullback on the wing in the middle, he'd probably play centre back, he'd probably go up front. Yeah, it's class to see. Every team has one of them utility players, but Jimmy Milner, right back, left back, like you said, potentially even centre back, can play anywhere across the midfield. I know he's old, Stan, but Jimmy Milner still showing Liverpool why he's indispensable at this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, every great team tends to have a player like that, that maybe, you know, they're not one of the first names on the team sheet. In fact, you know, they're probably not even in the starting eleven. but to have a player that can play so many positions when you're trying to challenge on so many fronts like the top teams do, like you say, they are indispensable. And Milner is probably one of the oldest outfield players at Liverpool, if not the oldest, but he's probably the fittest as well at the same time, in every sense of that word. Yeah, he does. Doesn't he hold the record for the bleep test there every every year? Doesn't he set the the pace every year or something at Liverpool? It it wouldn't surprise me. He's one of those players, isn't he? Where you know age doesn't really matter. He's just like I say, the fittest player at the club, and he looks after himself so well. Um, mm. Sounds got, like he's in your top five still. He definitely, but he's not. <laughs> um, but if if you look at the clubs that he's been at, I mean, he's been successful everywhere or I mean maybe not successful at a couple like Villa and Newcastle but successful with the fans because you know all fans like that type of player that gives her all and you know can do a job wherever and we'll just get on with it and James Milner is definitely that guy yeah James Milner certainly impressive um, a player that obviously City have had and City could do worse than James Milner at the minute to be fair um, the amount of energy they're showing um, they I've played um, Spurs in the, probably the biggest game this weekend, um, Saturday night. And it was a weird, weird game for me anyway. I think if you watch the first 45, it's probably how both managers would have wanted the game to go. But then as the game unfolded even more, you've seen how Spurs were actually in control, which is scary as a City fan to watch that game. Um, I would say Mourinho's best Spurs performance since he's took over as a coach. I know it's a year anniversary since he's been there. Maybe Definitely. the United 6 1 is up there, which is in the same season. So that begs the question are they now um, title contenders, Cook? 
inevitably I think the wheels will fall off but I can't argue with points on the board and results like that at this moment in time I think if if you are going to call Tottenham a title contender you still have to call City one in 13th or wherever wherever they are you still have to call Chelsea a title contender you still have to call Liverpool like I think at this moment in time obviously nine games in they, they look good but with the lack of depth they have, I just think the wheels will have to fall off at some point. Kane will get injured at some point. Son will get injured or suspended at some point. They, the squad's not big enough, I think, to mount a title charge. And Jose's playing it cool by saying they're not title contenders. And at the moment you are, but Jose, I don't think it'll happen in the end, mate. Yeah, I mean, they got, um, I think they got Chelsea on the weekend, don't they? And then I'm sure yeah. it's... Liverpool after that or Arsenal after that anyway it's a, it's a tough run of three games and I think these are the three games where you'll, you'll actually find out where this Tottenham squad are at and whether they're serious this year or not because um, obviously they, they beat United and that was a bit of a freak result really um, but the Spurs the City, Spurs City game definitely wasn't it was full credit for that game and it was definitely worth all three points and if he can get more points on the board against Chelsea and if it is Liverpool I think then I think we will know if they are going to be sticking around or if they're just in some hot form, kind of like Everton were at the start of the season. Uh, but I thought in this game, Harry Kane was... I can't remember seeing Harry Kane that good, maybe since... I was very impressed with his England performances. It was very very different. But Stan, what did you make of Kane and how he dropped deep against it? Yeah, he seems to be developing as a, as, as a player. And I know there was that famous moment where... Um, in the Amazon documentary where Jose said that, you know, if you trust me, I can make you, you know, explode. And Kane has been a different player since Jose's been able to get a, um, get a hold of him. I know Neville compared him to uh, Zidane yesterday on the, or Saturday, sorry, on, on commentary. And a few people have laughed at that, but I can see the, um, you know, I can see the similarities in, in how they were playing. It was impossible to get the ball up, ball off him. We know Zidane was, you know, such a physical player as well as such an elegant one um, and Kane's definitely reshaping his game completely which is why uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about maybe him breaking the record or not um, I know he's still getting the numbers this season but I do think over time he will become more of you know that type of maybe even a Zidane like a Rooney player who isn't the number one he's, he's the best striker in the world for me and he has been for, for a decent period of time so it's great to see a player developing like he is as well with so many years ahead of him yeah, no, it was it was foolish as um as for City to just let him kind of just run right. I mean, you've got a I don't I don't know if we're missing a player that controls that game, but I can think of a few players that City have had Fernandinho and company in particular being two that if on the on the pitch management has got to be better. Um, Kane's running riot. He's just getting every ball. He's not getting tackled, and when he is getting tackled, he's getting fouled. He's picking every pass he wants. Just like I don't, it sounds very like Sunday league, but just hit him. Just like going straight in the back of him, make him scared to get the ball. I, th- I think if City had a company or a Fernandinho, he wouldn't have had half as an easy as game. And yeah. that's what we've done. Um, not good enough this season. I mean, we we let the other team's best players have a good game. We're just kind of yeah. weak like that at the minute. It's just basics from what I saw of this game. Obviously, City they pumped Spurs in terms of possession and well shots really, but it's. Like Jim just said, then City need almost that Sunday league player to get them back to basics because 
the song goal was just a simple ball over the top. Diaz probably caught a little bit too high. And Dombele finds a really good pass, but it, it just shouldn't. Man City's defense just shouldn't be beat by that. And then, like you said about Kane, just dropping into that space. Lo Celso's on the pitch, thirty-five seconds, and he he gets a clean run there. It's just basics, obviously, because City controlled the game for ninety-five percent of it and just gave up two chances, which they both scored. Stuff. Yeah, I think um, just going back to City's mid, well. Fernandinho in a way I just think City's midfield just lacks any dynamism at all Jim would probably agree I think it's very easy to get in the face and, and disrupt them whereas previously you know that especially that Fernandinho De Bruyne um, you know David Silva triumvirate that they had a few years ago which I mean the names just speak for themselves um, they've lost David Silva obviously Fernandinho isn't there they've only got De Bruyne but as Jim said last week what city, you know, every city attack De Bruyne will be involved. Whereas I think in the past you could get away with having just Fernandinho, one because of how great he was, but two because he had David Silver and De Bruyne in front of him and you couldn't get the ball off him. So I think you're struggling when you lose him. And City's most played midfield three is probably Gundogan, Rodri, and, and De Bruyne, and, and them two as a double pivot or you know, Gundogan a little bit further up. I just think it's so you can get in the faces so easily and you look at how Bayern won the Champions League last year. They had a lot of energy and fight in the midfield with Kimmich and, and Goretzka. Obviously, Liverpool, we know their midfield is incredibly pragmatic. Um, I don't know, maybe Pep has to change a little bit. And, and I know Rodri's the most, I think he is the record signer, isn't he, Jim? Um, so maybe he has to get either somebody next to him, get somebody next to him who has a bit of bite or maybe take him out of the team completely and try and build an, a new midfield. Because I do think that that is where a lot of City's issues come from. And I think De Bruyne is maybe not starting to struggle because obviously he's a great player and he's having a good season. But I do think it is hindering him because he probably knows that who who's behind him. And he probably thinks, oh, you know what, should I go? Should I stay? Should I leave that space and move out wide? Or, or you know, I think he's limiting himself a little bit. Yeah, and as you were saying with De Bruyne, his performances, he's, he's one of these players um, that he can get away with a bad performance because of how good he's previously been. Um, I, I take the example of the penalty he missed at Liverpool, if that was a Riyad Mahrez or a Gundogan. City fans would be right, rightly right over the back. But, um, and it's quite worrying as a City fan because now De Bruyne, he can start, he, there's no one behind him. Like The gap between quality between De Bruyne and the second best City player is so big now that he's undroppable. So he's he's not got somebody pushing him and pushing him like he had done in previous years, which is kind of a worry. I mean, hopefully mentally De Bruyne just wants to play his best football every week, but you can't always rely on that with some players. And I think going back to the midfielders in general, what we've learned this season is that a Guardiola team, when the midfield isn't working and isn't world-class, it looks rather ordinary. Um, I mean, we, we tried the Gundogan, Rodri, Rodri double pivot against Wolves and it actually looked really good but then you lack you, you don't get the um, creation from the other players you have only like two players up front creating anything and yeah I completely agree with Stan something needs to change Pep has no idea he said we know we need to change I don't know whether that's just Pep saying it and if we'll actually see anything other than Gundogan just coming in the team like it usually happens but I don't know we, we're, we're missing players in the middle um, but then simply you look at the players on the bench on the weekend and you think, well, just put them on. Foden should start every single... Any City fan, and probably any fan who watches Foden um, a lot, would tell you that Foden needs to start for City every single week, especially when you've got passengers like Bernardo and 
Riyad Mahrez. Yeah, yeah, it seems like Bernardo's yeah. done a big U-turn in terms of his quality. Obviously, he was undroppable during that title-winning season coming off the right-hand side, but it's good, I suppose, that Pep's noted it. Like you said, he, he said, this is what's wrong. We know what we need to change. So it'll be interesting to yeah. see how you men do in January. Yeah, and, and just finally, when we, we played against Marseille in the Champions League, I forget when, which week it was, but it's probably the best city you've looked. They looked amazing, and it's because they had Foden on left, and I think Sterling was on the right, and Torres was up front, and the wingers. The, the key thing for a Pep team, everyone always says it to you when you're watching like the tactical analysis, is they keep the pitch wide as possible. And both of them hug the touchline, and it's kind of like what Sterling and Sane once did in the past three years. And, we, and I actually thought, oh, this is the turning point, that's what he's going to do now. He's going to put a left foot on left, and a right foot on right, and we're going to go back to normal. And a week later, Mara started, and it was the same. And Mara started again on the, um, against Spurs, and mm. he's so easy to defend against. Tottenham, all he have to do was plodding Eric Dyer's performance, but Stan, you mentioned it <laughs> in a group chat. I mean, anyone looks decent when there's six men around you, and City, are not make, City are making the pitch as small as possible, and it just is baffling. Yeah, and just, just sorry, another a question to finish off, which is a difficult question to uh, answer. Obviously, Guardiola signed a new contract or an extension, should we say. Is it two years? Yeah, uh, two years. How much of a rebuild do you see Pep doing? Do you think he will rebuild to win something himself or do you think he will rebuild to, well, still maybe win something himself, but maybe with the aim of passing a, a squad onto uh, the next manager? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I never actually thought about that. Um, I think Pep's got his biggest job on his hands. He's never had to rebuild a squad. That's been a big criticism of, of him when, it's, when his team gets old, he usually leaves. And this city team's lost its core. Um, I, th- I think he's just got to build for himself as as a manager. But I mean, I'm sure the club will want the opposite. Um, I don't know. He, he did say in, in an interview, there's only about five or six players who who he wouldn't sell in the city team, like who were unsellable, which is um, a big change from just for 18 months ago when you probably want every single one of them to stay there. I, you, you could risk off that city team now and. I would sell a lot of them, and that sounds mental. Going like two years ago, like Bernardo was like Cook said, undroppable, and I'd have thought, oh, he's our man for the next five years. But for me, honestly, if someone comes in with big money for Bernardo, I'd sell him. Yeah, big changes ahead at City then. Big changes ahead, and whereas Pep has to do a rebuild, there's some rebuilding done in East London. David Moyes seems to be rebuilding his reputation there. West Ham two defeats in the last eight in the Premier League only against Arsenal and Liverpool. Jim Moisey is doing a hell of a job at West Ham this season, picking up points. We discussed how hard the run was. 3-3 away at Tottenham, beating Leicester away 3-0, only losing, like I said, to Arsenal and Liverpool. They're, they're sneaking away from that that drop zone, aren't they? Yeah, I don't even think of them as relegation candidates anymore. They actually look pretty solid. Um, some of the new signings are doing well. Um, Thomas Suchets came in last January. He's got an eye for goal. He pushes forward. Declan Rice has improved himself. It's kind of almost having a new signing. He's getting better every week. Um, obviously, he's probably using that club as a stepping stone. Uh, the, the right back, is it Kufal? He looks like a good player. Um, and they're still getting results about Antonio, which I'd have thought, oh, Antonio's playing so well and it's such a shame they got an injury. Um, West Ham could be in trouble now, but not even Sebastian Haller. Um 
once nominated for the worst sign of the season by the Cookie Vod podcast boys. Um, even he got himself in the goal sheet. So outside the box yeah. too, which was the first of his career. I saw. <laughs> yeah, it, it's weird. It's not long out. Teams can just flip, can they? Like West Ham can look so you can be so down on them, and then a few results later you can be like, oh shit, they'd be all right, actually, won't they? Yeah, that, they're, they're just a weird team, Stan. Like, obviously, we've gone through a couple of the results there. They've got games against Aston Villa, Man United, Leeds, Crystal Palace and Chelsea. In there, there's some more winnable games for, for the Hammers there, surely? Yeah, 100%. And, and like Jim says, you're not even looking at them as a team that might go down uh, at the moment. Whereas, you know, like you say, at the start of the season, especially with that start, they had fixture-wise and results-wise, they were... They were right down there, so you know credit to them and, and to David Moyes. He seemed to have found the, the you know the magic little mixture for them with with you know I really like a player that I really like for um, for West Ham. I don't know if Jim mentioned him is uh, is Jared Bowen. I think he's a really good player. Um, you know coming in off that right hand side, and like I say, obviously you've got a night. You, you, it's, it's a good side, West Ham. We we've said before that they should be doing a lot better with that squad that they've that they've got, and you know maybe finally they have got. I've I've got it right finally, um, and you know, like I say, David Moyes is doing really well. Jim um, had him down as as quite comfortably the first manager to be sacked, and I've just looked and Skybet aren't even looking. Um, they aren't even offering uh, next manager to be sacked. I can't find anyway, so I guess that kind of sums up the sack race at the moment or lack of, which is pretty, um, you know, pretty odd for the Premier League nine games in. We've we've sometimes lost one and probably on the cusp of two by now. The Boa didn't last uh, more than five. And, you know, like I say, um, we, te- we, we tend to be pushing towards that second, but nobody, there's nobody really being linked with being sat cut. What do you think that means? Do you think maybe there's a little bit more leeway with the lack of pre-season? Or do you think that maybe clubs have done a U-turn and you want to give managers more time? I think, I think it's probably a mixture of both. For example, I think if you sack a manager now, Obviously, you have to pay compensation to that manager and we're in a climate where we don't know what's going to happen, obviously, with COVID-19. We don't really like talking about COVID-19 on this podcast because we like to keep you upbeat. But yeah, that, I would say that that's why I think they've not been as trigger happy on the uh, on the sacking, just because one, I don't think they can really afford to, given the current climate. Two, I don't think there's a lot out there either. I really don't. Alan Pardew took a job today uh, I think he's the technical director of football at Lesky Sofia now in Bulgaria, I saw today. So he's off the merry-go-round for a bit, so you can't even bring pards in. Uh, it's cheap, uh, cheap booze in Bulgaria, to be fair. We know that, Cook. Exactly. Cheap daiquiris for Pardew while he's Mick, on football Mick manager. Mick McCarthy's gone to Cyprus as well. So uh, Oh, they're all escaping lockdown, aren't they? That's why they're all taking these jobs. Going for work, we're going for work. Not really, Alan. You're going for the cheap dacks. But back to, back, to, back to West Ham, this, this, this for me was equally more impressive. The fact that Antonio, who I think is West Ham's most crucial player, probably not the best player in terms of talent, Jim, but definitely the most crucial, that they're picking up points without him. And obviously we know what a big focal point he is. Yeah, I, I did think they struggle without him because he, he makes so much. They don't really create that many chances, do they? They're more pragmatic and just cross the ball in the box and Antonio just makes something out and off and half the time but I'd probably say Declan Rice is the most important player actually um, I'd say Antonio on form is probably the best player this season but Declan Rice for me runs that midfield he's, every time I look at West like on Twitter like on West Ham it's like man of the match I'm pretty sure he just gets man of the match like every single week and yeah. West Ham love him um, 
I'm sure you'll love him too when he inevitably, inevitably plays for Chelsea. Um, I was just about to say. <laughs> I th- but yeah, I'd, I'd say enjoy him while you can. Yeah, he looks like a good player and he's doing well for England too. Um, going back to the sack race, um, I think it's a weird season where you wouldn't actually say anyone deserves to get sacked just yet. Not really. I mean, obviously, the, the, the promoted teams are struggling. Like You can look at Billich and Scott Parker and you think, oh, they might be in trouble. Um it will. I think it will be one of them, won't it? One of them too. Yeah, um, Billich for me. Billich. Yeah, because the two managers were struggling this season, I would put down uh, Sean Dyche and um, Chris Wilder. But they've done so well in the past that sure, yeah. sure they get a bit more time this season. I don't think the club's a local guy too. Yeah, I can't see the clubs getting rid of getting rid of them, like you say, for what they've done for them in the past. I think they'll be a little bit loyal uh, and a little bit patient with them. But I think... If I had to make a prediction, I think maybe Big Sam Allardyce might be a fuller manager by the uh, by the spring. Okay, welcome back, listeners. So that's the way the cookie crumbles. And um, we mentioned about a lockdown and coronavirus before, but now it's been more upbeat news. Um, Boris Johnson has today confirmed the return of fans to sporting stadiums from um, December the 2nd, I believe, Um Sports fans back in stadium, um, and it in, will be a capacity of 4,000 or 50%. Um, trying to get a mid around that, well, I think we all are. I think it means 50% of the stadium up to 4K in tier one areas, and then in tier two areas, it will be 50% of the stadium up to 2,000. Um, Johnson did also say that more areas in England will be put in stricter tiers, so um. It's not all like we're not all going to be rushing back to the stadiums and the terraces, but it's a step forward, Stan, to normality. It is, yeah. Um, I don't think they're announcing which regions are in um, which tiers until Thursday. Obviously, this is being recorded on on Monday. Um, and for our US fans, um, we were in regional lockdowns before we were in a national lockdown. We do have a lot of US fans, don't we, Cook? I thought we'd address them. Um, so Howdy. in the UK, in the UK, I suppose, as you call us, before we've just had a national lockdown pretty much for the whole of November. Before that, we were in different regional lockdowns and we had three tiers and obviously third was the highest and the most restricted. But we're just about to come out of our national lockdown and like I say, the Aga announced which tier um, we're going to be in on Thursday with the majority expecting to be back into tier three, um, but then maybe shortly coming into tier two towards Christmas anyway. So like Jim says, tier three, you'll be allowed uh, 50% or 2,000 and tier that's, two, that's you're allowed tier, 50%. Tier two, you're allowed um, 50% or 2,000. Yeah. You said tier, yeah. Is it? You said tier three. Tier two, it's tier two. Um, 50% up to 2,000 yeah I was in tier 1 and tier 2 yeah tier 1 and tier 2 and I think um, the worry for stadiums will be that like the massive ones I think I think this is more concerning local teams I would say and lower down the leagues because I read something like Twickenham um, would need around 30,000 fans to even make the cost of opening the stadium and running the stadium and all that kind of stuff worthwhile like I can imagine stadiums like Old Trafford would need a lot more than four thousand fans <laughs> to actually like warrant paying all the staff going in there and the general cost of running a stadium when it's open. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that United were one of the 
one of the teams spearheading fans to come back, uh, which is no surprise. But um, yeah, they were saying, look, we've got all these plans. They'll be in, you know, they'll be allowed in and filtered, uh, you know, filtered in. They can only go here. They'll be ushered into the stands. They can't hang around, you know, certain areas, whatever. Um, I mean, one of one of my biggest things is um, how will they decide who the four thousand are? Because I know I know what you're cited. I mean, is it not a ballot? We we I I think I saw something before that it's a ballot. So obviously, anyone who's like a member or whatever, that I think it is literally just at random. Because we played Krasnodar the other day in well last week in the Champions League, and that they said on BT that that was done via a ballot. Oh, right. Well, I'm not sure. It'll probably vary club to club. I'm guessing that'll be their decision. So I'm sure United will get the executives in the boxes. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll probably be done with um, based on how many social media followers you've got and uh, yes. if you're an influencer. Something like to that. be fair, yeah. Stan might be in a box I'm, with Pochettino then. Two well, big lads on social media. media. There we go. We both, we've got about 90,000 followers between us and I account for 400. So there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get your wallets at the ready and bet 365 open because I've got a bet of the week that's going to land. So ears pricked. Man City win to nil at home to Burnley. We've gone for Everton, both teams to score. Result at home to Leeds United. And then Liverpool match result over two goals in the game. Can roughly get this one about 14 and a half to one. So just to recap, Man City to win to nil, Everton both teams score a result, Liverpool and over 2.5 goals. And Stan, what can you do with that? You can show it up your rackers. Other betting sites are available. Hello and welcome, Cookie Pod listeners, to everyone's favourite time of the week. It's Who Am I? Woo! And this week. I have wrote down the names and the clues on a little piece of paper. So I'm going to ask the host, Lewis, Lou, Cookie Man, right, my right or my left? Your left. My left. Oh, pressure on Lou to win now, Stan, I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Slight like question. Say your questions be on the chase. <laughs> it actually is. Big. Can you confirm you chose pack A? Yes. <laughs> Okay, so clue number one. I was born on the 18th of January, 1985, which makes me 35. I like how you're doing the maths, Jim. Took a leaf out of your book. Thank you. I'm going to say... <sighs> There's no shame in getting this one wrong, so Flora Maluda, fuck it. It's, it's, a, not, it's a good it's guess. Not uh, Solomon Kalou, the other one. <laughs> the other one of what stuff? It's not Kalou. Oh, God. Uh, clean, moving on swiftly. Um, clean number two. I am an Italian midfielder who was number 18 for my national side. Daniele De Rossi? Uh-uh. <sighs> Worse, does that mean he still plays? Oh, he could mean both to be fair. 18. Um, not Depends what timeline you're on, Stan. Who are we going for? Not Chirino. Not, not Chirino. Oh, what a budget buy on FIFA, guys, but no. 
West Ham legend. Great for those Serie A starter squads, guys. So so great, actually. Really good, really good um, beat at De Rossi, I would say. He's a cheap beast, man. <laughs> Halfway there, clue three. I was part of Italy's 2012 Euro runner-up squad. Mm. Surely it's someone half shit. Uh, so 27. Evan Lasagna? No? Can I have him? Yeah? No. Nope. <laughs> he is Italian, but no. 27. We did this um, the other day, didn't we? Um, I'm going to guess Montalivo, but I don't think it is. It's Ricardo Montalivo, Stan. Is it? There we go. Oh, nice. Well AC, done. AC Milan. Boy. The long, the long the third legend, I would say. Started in the final. Very good player. Yeah. yeah He's one of the players clues, I just forgot about. <laughs> the next clues were um, a little list of AC Milan captains. He followed Baresi, Maldini, Ambrosini, and then. It was Montalivo, and then Very cool. the last clue was about his time in Fiorentina. And his long hair. Yeah. Cultured midfielder, not used on FIFA because he was pretty slow cook. Good passing, though. Yes. He really <laughs> needed a Halloween Montalivo, yeah, to get the use out of that pace. Put a hunter card on him, guys. Hell. But not in September. <laughs> anyway, there's Stan, congrats on Thanks. three points. Ricky M. But can, can you do one better? When I pull out pack number B. Fuck. Num- number number B, B, you heard that right. Clue <laughs> <laughs> number one. It's a classic, right. Sam. You know what I'm going to say? His date of birth every time. Oh, fucking hell. You think what you know. 13th of June, 1980. Cinema <laughs> very, very quick on the buzzer. Very quick, but wrong. I wonder how old he is. 40. Cinema uh, Pongol. Oh, oh, Zoltan Gira. Not Zoltan Gira, no. Oh. And that class goal he scored for West oh. Brom. Which one? Was it against United? Yeah, he scored right. an old red kick against those ones. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Anyway, <laughs> number two. I am an Englishman born to Jamaican parents and I played abroad. Not too many Englishmen I played abroad, but I got on easy jet. Played abroad. Hmm. Marlon King? It's not Marlon King. He he played for Jamaica. That's I was thinking that. Good guess. Born to Jamaican parents. Hmm. 40. <sighs> Fucking hell. I have no idea. Um Carl Emery. <laughs> not Carl Emery. Shit, I think Emery. I know who it is. Oh well you gotta wait till the next clue is concluded and I will start clue number three I played alongside this is in my career and in no particular order by the way I played alongside Andy Cole Casper Michael, and Gareth Barry is it Nigel Coker? that's what I was thinking of it's not he went to America didn't he cut yeah he played for Montreal Impact Andy um, Cole Schmeichel and Gareth Barry Barry yeah, three different clubs then. 40 years old. I'm going to go Mika Richards, but I don't think he's 40. No, that's... that's... It's not Mika. It's not Mika. Yes, I don't know. Fiorentina, yeah. 
course. It is a good guess. Clue number four. Oh, it's, getting, it's getting close to me winning this week. <laughs> I have six England goals in 22 appearances. My last coming in a friendly against Iceland at the city of Manchester Stadium, whereas I played for a I played for the city at the time. That's what I was trying to say. See, that's where I got the Casper Schmeichel link. That's why I thought maybe in with Mika. Mm. So it was at City. So his last goal for England came in the city of Manchester Stadium, which could give you a clue of the time. And he was at City at that Sean time. Sean Wright Phillips? It's not Sean Wright Phillips. <sighs> that, would, that would have been very clever. <sighs> Giving nothing away. Um, Sean Wright Phillips coming soon, guys. Oh. 22, apps, 22 caps for England, six goals. Yeah, six. not too bad of a strike record. Andy That's Cole. what I thought. Not bad. Andy Cole. Oh, I can't fucking. Um, <laughs> I nearly said someone that it's definitely not them. Jamaican parents. Uh, I'll say it anyway. Steve McManaman. <laughs> Stan, not, don't be racist. It's not Div McManaman. <laughs> Clean number five. I mean, right, come on, Stan. It. Andy yeah, fucking Cole. Yeah, then me and Stan have to buy you a, a zap from that ice cream van that comes around every week oh, when we record. Come on. It's been round actually. The window's shut this week and professional. Um, clue number five to get one point and to snatch victory with my hands. Um, in Euro 2004, we all have the Yeah. It's Dries for sale, yeah. <laughs> yes. As soon as you said you're in 2004, I thought, I can see him with that silver ball. I can see him. Why the, why the fuck do you know that? <laughs> I could just see him with that silver ball where Zizi right. put England out. In your 2004, Dries for sale. <laughs> I, went to, I went to my mind palace. That's what I did. It's like Doctor Strange. <laughs> where did he play? Oh, Blackburn. City, City. Um, he played with Andy Cole, Andy Cole at City, Gareth Barry at Aston Villa before then, and he played with Castus Michael at Leicester in his last two years. Oh, shit. Yeah, he went Leicester, didn't he, Cole? Yeah. My clue, anyway, before my palace took over, was that in your 2004, that famous game against Portugal where he was knocked out, I missed the penalty um, and I came on for the injured Wayne Rooney. Right. F in the chat, man. I do remember that. Beckham missed a penalty as well in that shootout, didn't he? There and then looked at the floor, didn't he cut? There he was did. a chunk missing out of the floor. F. Darius. He fucked it. Is that the one where the keeper scored the winning penalty? Yeah. Um, he w- didn't he wear no gloves? Yeah. I can't remember. Ricard- it was Ricardo, wasn't it? Was it Ricardo? Yeah. I was at that barbecue that day. Actually, he really was put a-, a damper on the evening. He was a real thorn in our side, him. They yes. were. Portugal-, Portugal were in the mid northeast yeah. And there we go. <laughs> to conclude this week's Who Am I? Stan got three points on Ricardo Monsolivo and Cook got one point, but I would say it was equally as impressive on Darius Vassell. Thank you. Definitely, definitely. My mind palace took over. I went to that place. <laughs> Out of all the players at Euro 2004 with that ball, Cook thought of Darius Vassell and I can't beat that. So there we go. <laughs> It's that time of the show, ladies and gents, where we have to love you and leave you. But if you can't get enough of the Cookie Pod boys, follow us on our socials, Insta and Twitter, at Cookie Podcast One. That's at Cookie Podcast, followed by the number one. We've recently moved platform podcast, so we're now on Anchor FM, YouTube, where you can watch us 
in little clip forms. Jim's nice enough to do little clips for the pod. If you can't make the whole thing, or you just can't be arsed, head over to our YouTube channel. That's the way the cookie crumbles. As usual, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, OnlyFans, Admire Me. <laughs> um, uh, with 10% off, you can get Stan's nudes for just five pounds. <laughs> 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 but that's been episode 85 of that's the way the cookie crumbles i've been your podcast host cook and i'll see you later that's for free if you buy me a drink first <laughs>